What's going on, everybody? Arjo Joey here from SB Nations, bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you're excited because there is only one preseason game left for the Dallas Cowboys. Their third officially in the books now. The Cowboys technically losing the Governor's Cup. 20 to 14, the final score as the Houston Texans are victorious. Uh, but there's a lot to take away from the Cowboys, their performance. This is, of course, or was, of course, the dress rehearsal for this team. Obviously, as they get ready for the regular season, the opener is now 19 days away for the Dallas Cowboys. So a lot to figure out. That's why this game was really interesting. We went into it, obviously, not knowing exactly how much a lot of players were going to play. We knew that Dak wasn't going to play, knew that Zeke wasn't going to play, Demarcus Lawrence, etc. But we saw almost a full half, about a have actually from uh, the starting defense, but we saw some other things that some people feel very passionate about. If you are joining us early on uh, in our stream, we've got Jalen says Denucci just got cut. Matt Davis says, Oh my gosh, can Big Ben? Um, it's uh, Larry says, Ugly RJ, ugly. Um, I want to say, I think Denucci's a fun guy, I think he's fun to root for. He's obviously a meme. Um, but that's about it. I mean, he's obviously not very good. Let's go ahead and let's start, as we always do, here on the live show with our winners and our losers. And I don't know that there is anywhere else to start. Uh, I would like to start off the winners um, strong, but um, Ben DiNucci is uh, the clear loser. Now, I think this is a little kind to say, but I think it's possible that Ben DiNucci entered this game with a chance to earn a spot on the Dallas Cowboys roster. If you're asking me, my own personal opinion, <clears throat> RJ Ochoa, um, I don't think that Ben DiNucci could have made the roster even four hours ago, but it is technically possible that had he balled out, he could have impressed the team, whatever, um, and uh, that did not happen. Ben DiNucci threw three interceptions, including a tipped ball that wound up in the hands of the Houston Texans when the Cowboys were trying to drive to finish the game and win it. I know a lot of you weren't able to watch the game. This was the only preseason game for the Cowboys this season that was local uh, only in terms of broadcast. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it was not uh, a pleasant or a pretty end. Uh, let's see here. We've got, um, let's go, uh, Cowboys 68 says it's time to look for a real backup quarterback. And on that note, um, I yeah, you know, there's a lot of things we're going to celebrate here. But on that note, another loser for me, Garrett Gilbert. Um, this was not a great game for the Cowboys in terms of backup quarterbacks. It was actually a really, really, really bad game for the Cowboys in terms of backup quarterbacks. Let's take a look at, uh, you know, because Garrett Gilbert started this game for the Cowboys um, and really has not done much uh, for them since um, the preseason began. I mean, if you're thinking about this guy, Garrett Gilbert, being your you know, your backup quarterback, so therefore a moment away from being your starting quarterback, I think you're not thinking about this properly. Garrett Gilbert so far in the preseason, these are his drives. Against Pittsburgh, led the team to a field goal, then led the team to a missed field goal. So that's not really his fault. Um, then that was all the action he got against Pittsburgh. He had two or three possessions, excuse me, against the Arizona Cardinals last Friday night, which is a Katy Perry song. The first one was a Cowboys punt. The second was a turnover on downs. The third was a field goal. Tonight, he did have two possessions on the first he fumbled the ball, and then on the second, the Dallas Cowboys had 
to punt. So uh, Cooper Rush did come in for, again, those of you who were not able to watch the game and played much better uh, than I thought, I thought at least than Garrett Gilbert. I think a lot of people thought. In fact, let's go ahead and throw this graphic up on the screen. Garrett Gilbert versus Cooper Rush tonight. These were their bodies of work. Garrett Gilbert, three of five on the night for 30 yards and a rating of 77.1. Cooper Rush, nine for 11, 94 yards through two touchdowns, uh, a 141.9 rating. Um, So I ask you, the loyal viewer, the loyal listener, who should be QB2? For the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Robert Anthony says, bring in Bortles at this point won't hurt. Yes, Blake Bortles is a free agent. I agree um, with this idea, by the way. And I'm not saying that that is an awesome option. But the bar is low, people. The bar is really low. Now, Cooper Rush has technically been the backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys before. I mean, so he's really the only person who's technically qualified for this job. It's amazing that the Cowboys have kind of fallen in love with what – Garrett Gilbert did against the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. Really wasn't that impressive. Christopher Lopez says, I'm still undecided. Um, I, for me, I am not, you know, it's it's not, you know, close for me. Russell says Nick Foles trade for, uh, here we go, Nick Foles trade for him. No way, dude. Um, Nick Foles is, is I mean, I, I'm trying to be really kind. I really like Nick Foles, the person. Nick Foles is not very good. I think that's the nicest way I can put that. Uh, let's see here. Um, we've got uh, Norm says Rush is currently the best. Number two, Danny Phantom, friend of the show, says Garrett Gilbert is our QB two, but let's just never have to use him. I like this uh, this mentality. Um, let's see here. Uh, Joseph says Bortles took the team to the AFC Championship game. That's fine. Um, look. I ultimately don't think that Blake Bortles is that great of an upgrade, but here's the thing. We are 19 days away from the season opener, 19 days from this exact moment. If you are with us live, the Dallas Cowboys will be one and zero because they will have successfully defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dak Prescott will have thrown for 312 yards, two touchdowns through the air. He will have rushed one in himself. He'll have done a celebration to show off how his arm is not amputated. Like a lot of people around the national media seem to think, uh, but the reality, look, I don't know if you've ever watched that show. Um, what is it called? I think it's called Designated Survivor. Um, I think it's on Netflix. It's about the person who's like seventh in line for the presidency. And it's about that person ultimately becoming the president of the United States. And the person who is QB2 for the Dallas Cowboys is a moment away, a terrible freak accident with Logan Ryan in coverage away from being the most important player on the Dallas Cowboys. So I don't know how anybody can feel confidence in this. Um, So while the losers here are technically only Garrett Gilbert and uh, Ben DiNucci, I think an honorable mention loser, we don't have this listed, is the Cowboys coaching staff for this evaluation. It hasn't really been that great. They've made a lot of great additions to this team this offseason, but um, they did ignore the QB2 position, which is amazing given the fact that they saw what they did in terms of how bad their, their team was without Dak Prescott and without Andy Dalton even last season. Um, what's amazing beyond that is that they even learned that lesson the year they drafted Dak Prescott uh, after Tony Romo missed all that time in 2015. The Cowboys did nothing to improve the depth of their quarterback position. They ran it back with Kellen Moore. They drafted Dak and they got ridiculously lucky. Uh, but so that's that. So Let's talk about winners, Um, and a lot of people are mentioning Micah Parsons. We do not have him as a winner, but Micah Parsons was unreal tonight, and I didn't list him as a winner. I do write this uh, after every Dallas Cowboys game, winners, losers, and honorable mentions at bloggingtheboys.com. I wanted to share some love around, so Micah is an obvious winner. This was amazing. Walk up over center. There he is right there. You can see the respect they have. He's able to occupy both offensive lines. 
that is just, I mean, that is a, a different kind of speed, a different kind of freakish athleticism. We're going to play it one more time. And if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you go back and watch the live show. Uh, you know, whenever you get some time on YouTube, you can subscribe to the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. We have a lot of stuff that we put out every single week. But Micah Parsons chasing Terod Taylor. It's Terod. Nobody get it wrong. Um, and just, I mean, this is this is astounding. Walk up over center. There he is right there. You can see the respect they have. He's able to occupy both offensive lines. Yeah, I mean, it's really impressive what Micah Parsons has done now through three preseason games. He has found a moment to flash in every single one of them. Obviously, he recovered the fumble in the first game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He helped uh, Keanu Neal strip the ball away last week against the Arizona Cardinals. And this play ultimately is not anything that shows up in the box score, but it is an impressive moment, again, of athleticism by Micah Parsons. So congratulations to him. Uh, in that capacity. We've got a lot of comments for Jabril Cox. You know what? We're going out of order the way I listed it, but you know what? Jabril Cox, definitely a winner. Jabril Cox, this was his best moment, I thought, as a Dallas Cowboys linebacker. Jabril Cox, especially, um, you know, as the game wore on, looked really, really, really good. Uh, the Cowboys, obviously, you know, everybody's talking about Micah Parsons, but Jabril Cox, check this out. This happened uh, as Zach Martin. I know, again, a lot of you not didn't have a chance to watch the game. Zach Martin was doing an interview with the broadcast with Kyle Yeomans, friend of the show, and Jabril Cox had a really, really, really nice tackle. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like um, from Jabril Cox. I mean, in fact, there's about everything to like from Jabril Cox. I think he is, I don't want to say the clearest winner, but he had maybe the most to go. A, a lot of players have flashed for the Cowboys, a lot of defensive players, which is really exciting. But Jabril Cox ultimately uh, is somebody that hasn't necessarily had a chance to shine because there are so many players that get so many opportunities, uh, obviously on the defensive side of the ball for the Dallas Cowboys. Let's see here. DJ Dog 31 says Osa had another solid game. That's right. Osa Digizua early on had a really great stop. Um, and in fact, Osa just made the list, honorable mention. Again, had a, had a good game, but it's getting tough to find these winners because so many players are popping and flashing for the Dallas Cowboys. So Osa Digizua really came on strong. Last week, I thought Osa was a little bit better, and that's not trying to take away from this performance. In fact, last week, PFF had Osa ranked as the ninth overall rookie in the entire NFL based on their performance during last week's preseason games. Uh, for what it's worth, Patrick Sertan was number one, just to put you know things in proper perspective, had the pick six, obviously, uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. But um, I thought thought that uh, Osiragizua played really, really, really well. As we cycle through our winners and losers and our honorable mentions, certainly want to hear what everybody else has to say if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook. Andre says, Anai is a winner. You know what, Andre? I agree with you as I'm searching for it here. We have, um, I don't have him on the winners, but I thought Bradley and I had a really great game. He does make the honorable mentions list and really somebody who started to come along, somebody who we really have been begging to see for a year now, and it's finally starting to happen. The preseason was obviously something that wasn't a thing last year, but this has proven to be a valuable opportunity. And I think as training camp, at least the portion and Oxnard wore on, we were starting to wonder where Bradley and I stood in the overall uh, kind of hierarchy of the Dallas Cowboys defensive end group, especially after last week when Dorrance Armstrong really started to flash because you've got Demarcus Lawrence, you've got Randy Gregory, you've obviously got Dorrance Armstrong starting to pop. You figure that, you know, Bradley and I wasn't necessarily shining. And so we really had to see it. And so we have started to see it. And that is a really positive thing. Now we've got Jaeger says Noah Brown is a winner. Well, you know what, Jaeger? I hear what you're saying. And Noah Brown 
is a winner. I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you have been watching our live streams or any of the videos that we do here on the channel, and by the way, please subscribe to the Blog and the Voice YouTube channel. I really did not think that Noah Brown stood a chance to make this roster, especially uh, after the draft when the Cowboys drafted Simi Pahoko. It really kind of seemed like that was the writing on the wall for Noah Brown. I didn't think the Cowboys were going to you know, keep six wide receivers. They still might do that. Uh, maybe they'll do that in order to carry Simi Pahoko. But you've obviously got Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. And I, I think you can make an argument that Noah Brown is wide receiver four. Now, I don't want to take away from Cedric Wilson, but Noah Brown has been really, really, really impressive so far, not just through camp, but through the preseason. Noah Brown had a catch that, you know, everybody's going to look at, you know, not that there are a, a huge number of uh, of touchdowns to go around, but Noah Brown had a catch. I actually didn't even think this was a catch at first. It took, you know, the slow-mo for me to ultimately realize this. Gets that elbow down. Take one more look at this. This is incredible body control. And again, my apologies. I wrote off Noah Brown. I was wrong. Egg on my face. I'll eat the L. I'll hold the L, whatever. Noah Brown is really, really, really impressive. Well done. Well done, Noah Brown. Really starting to shine. Uh, Brian says, uh, said had the TD tonight. Totally agree with you, said. I totally agree. Cedric Wilson had the touchdown tonight for the Dallas Cowboys. So you know what? He's an honorable mention. And the only reason for this, again, I'm trying to, we're trying to spread the love here. All right. You know, I realized that Cedric Wilson had this score, but we knew that Cedric Wilson was safe on this team. Cedric Wilson did not need to have a bright camp or a bright preseason. His job was not in jeopardy. I do think that perhaps Noah's was. He has definitely come a long way to establish that he is not necessarily going anywhere. But Cedric Wilson did have the touchdown. It was really nice. It was part of Cooper Rush's game. This was, uh, for anyone who did not see the game, this was the end of the first half and it was really nice to see third down are in the corner of the end zone Cedric Wilson same end zone where Cedric Wilson actually threw a touchdown to Dak Prescott last year uh so really nice moment for Cedric Wilson to get on the board uh we hadn't seen a lot of you know scoring this preseason for the Dallas Cowboys um Andre by the way says keeping six wide receivers I'm assuming this is an interesting question. If you're watching, we didn't see a lot of uh, Malik Turner tonight, uh, or at least nothing that really flashed. But who is your sixth wide receiver? If you're joining us live right now on YouTube or Facebook, we've obviously, you know, we're all in agreement. Amari, Michael, CD, and then we've got Cedric and Noah, however you want to order them. That's your top five. Who is your sixth? Is it Simi Fahoko or is it Malik Turner? Because the competition really comes down to the two of them. I do think this is a, you know, we say this every year as Cowboys fans, like, you know, there is somebody out there, I guarantee you, it's none of you that are watching or listening live, but somebody's like, dude, we can't put Ben DiNucci on the practice squad because somebody's going to poach him. People say that about every player. Um, but that might literally be true for Simi Fajoko because he is somebody who a lot of teams coveted because of the physical size, might need some time to kind of grow and assimilate to the NFL game. So somebody else might be willing to take on that project. In fact, another general manager in the NFL, John Lynch, said during the Pro Football Hall of Fame game that the San Francisco 49ers had their eyes on Simi Fajoko, obviously a, a California guy. Uh, let's see here. Carl Smith says Turner. Red Key says Simi Fajoko. Um, you know, Christopher Lopez says Fajoko. Megan says Malik. So we've really got people split here. Brian says Malik. Andre says Fajoko. Is this an interesting, you know, roster battle that's, you know, going to kind of uh, be fun to watch over the course of the next week? The Cowboys, by the way, do have to cut five more players 
by Tuesday. Um, so let's do that, actually. Let's put this question up here for you. Uh, let's see how much I can uh, and multitask with my, my hands while I talk. What five players will the Cowboys cut on Tuesday? Because that is a day that is obviously a significant one across the NFL, as every team in the NFL has to draw from 85 to 80 players. So let's play this game right now. What five players will the Dallas Cowboys cut? Now, they kind of cheated last week. The Cowboys technically put two players on injured reserve and Reggie Robinson, obviously. And, you know, and they also, by the way, apply the injured wave designation uh, to Anthony Hines, the linebacker. But Shewo uh, Olenyulua was also played on, uh, placed on injured reserve. The Cowboys truly only cut two people. Um, in fact, they also even placed uh, Hunter Nicewander on the waived injured reserve or gave him that designation this week. And he also reverted to injured reserve. So the Cowboys have ultimately only said goodbye to two players so far this uh, this preseason period. Now, Richard Smith says, should cut Danucci and Steele. Here's the thing, and nobody wants to hear this. They can't cut Ben Danucci. You can you can bet your bottom dollar that Ben Danucci, Odessa Graham says, please Danucci. Uh, Bryant says, cut Danucci tonight. No need to wait. I promise you, their Cowboys are not going to cut Ben Danucci. There's no reason because next Saturday, next Sunday, the Dallas Cowboys play another preseason game. And look, we're it sounds it seems like based on the comments here that you're all we're all kind of split in terms of who should be QB two for the Cowboys. Should it be Garrett Gilbert? Should it be Cooper Rush? Whoever it is, whoever QB two is for the Cowboys cannot play next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Next week is just backups, backups, backups. That's all next week is. You don't want to play anybody of any significance next week. Next week, Ben DiNucci's probably gonna play three quarters. All right. And that's that's life in the NFL. And you know, maybe you view that as cold, whatever, but that's why. In no universe will Ben DiNucci be part of the people that are cut on Tuesday because you need him to be the guy to throw next week when you're in the final moments of the preseason. Uh, Michael Scarn says, RJ, can you throw? I cannot. Sorry about that. Uh, so, what five players? I think the Cowboys could, you know, it's tough. I mean, I think you're looking on the defensive side of the ball. Christopher Lopez here says, uh, let's see, he's got five players. Burton, DiNucci, Dixon, Davis, and Hardy. Jaquan Hardy's an interesting answer. Um, Kula Demastis says, I'm actually excited to see more of the nooch. Um, Larry says that will be unwatchable. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be good. Um, you know, it, it is, it's, but it's, it's predictable at the very least. Um, let's see here. Uh, Robert Anthony says they're definitely going to cut either Knox or Hardy. Yeah. Jaquan Hardy feels like, you know, it, it, that, that one feels that now it's like the only one I can say with confidence right now. I mean, maybe we're talking about, um, a corner, um, Sean Springer, uh, says, uh, Justin Hamilton. I don't know that that feels like a stretch to me. Um, Alan DeLeon says Parker, maybe, um, you know, uh, by the way, basically memes says, so we cut him immediately after the checks. Yeah. Ben DiNucci should be part of the roster cuts when the Cowboys get down, uh, to the final 53 man roster. Uh, Brian rail says, I didn't like sprinkle at all tonight. This is an interesting point as we get away and kind of get back to the game. Jeremy Sprinkle's in an interesting spot because I know we were talking about the roster decisions that the Cowboys are going to have to make. We've seen them obviously utilize this stash method, this waived injured reserve method or, or outright injured reserve in the case of Reggie Robinson and Shewo. Um, the Cowboys could view Sean McEwen as somebody who they want to place on injured reserve, right? They could They could look at their tight end situation because that's a fair thing to do and look and say, okay, we've got Blake Jarwin. We've got Dalton Schultz entering the final year of his rookie contract. 
What do we have for next year? Well, if Dalton leaves, we're going to have Blake Jarwin, and we could have Sean McEwen. Maybe Sean McEwen, obviously, he's got the ankle sprain. Maybe he's farther along, whatever, blah, blah. I mean, if you're thinking about stashing players, if you're the Cowboys, the Cowboys could IR stash Sean McEwen, put him on ice till 2022, but that would obviously require Jeremy Sprinkle playing really well. I thought Jeremy Sprinkle had an opportunity tonight that he really didn't necessarily take advantage of. Not a loser uh, by any means. Uh, Danny Phantom says Nick Eubanks had a nice game. Yeah, I mean, um, that's that was a missed opportunity for Jeremy Sprinkle. I mean, ultimately. And so uh, it is what it is. Let's get back, though, to some winners and losers. We talked uh, – well, I mean, I guess we didn't really – announced that he's a winner i thought cooper rush was a winner like the fact that we're sitting here and we're talking about who should be qb2 for the cowboys and the fact that cooper rush is in the mix for this cooper rush is undeniably a winner here because it's this this should have been a, a throw away the lock or what is it hide the key hide whatever lock and key thing for garrett gilbert this job should be his in spades there should not be any you know debate whatsoever that this job should be Garrett Gilbert's but there is debate there is a lot of debate there is doubt there is an enormous amount of doubt that's just the reality for those of you that got here late uh we did take a look obviously at what the Cowboys had going on tonight at QB2 I mean I guess in the QB2 debate and you look at Cooper Rush I mean significantly outperformed Garrett Gilbert it's not on this sheet if you're watching live Garrett Gilbert 305 for 30 yards but also had a fumble had a fumble on the very first possession of the game and you know this fumble a lot of people, you know, when they talk about situations like this or what happened or whatever, people love to say like, yeah, well, it's just backups. This was not backups for Garrett Gilbert. That's what's so frustrating about it. For Garrett Gilbert, he had the entire starting Dallas Cowboys offensive line, and he didn't have, you know, Connor Williams at center and whatever at left guard. He had left to right Tyron. He had obviously, you know, Connor Williams. He had Tyler Biotish, he had Zach Martin, he had Lyle Collins, he had every reason up front to succeed. He did not have Zeke Elliott, oh well, but he did have Amari Cooper, he had Michael Gallup, he had CeeDee Lamb, he had Dalton Schultz, he had Blake Jarwin, he had every reason to succeed in this game, and yet on the very first possession of the game, he held the ball too long and turned it over. And that's really, really not good. Uh, I agree with Austin. Austin says it really says something if we want Rush over Danucci. Now, I also agree with DJ Dog 31 here. Cooper Rush played well, but he is a good third string quarterback. We can do better than the bunch we have behind Dak. I agree. And I know a lot of people love to say the likely QB2 for the Cowboys is not on the team at this moment. And that might be true. But we are 19 days away from the season opener, and we are unsure who the second most important person is in some theoretical you know, line of thinking is on the Cowboys. And that's a really frustrating example. This is not something that I, I don't want to call it a failure, like this is the, the biggest you know, demerit that the Cowboys organization could possibly have. But this is not something that they have failed to do just recently. Dak Prescott was hurt in late October of last year. They have had, if you think about it that way, 10 months to properly think and evaluate and contemplate and experiment. I mean, the Cowboys have experimented so much that Connor Williams was playing center for, for, the, for some time. I mean, so how have they not in 10 months found a proper answer to what happens if Dak Prescott goes down? And that's the really frustrating part. Max uh, G says, any of these quarterbacks other than Dak is a disaster. And to be clear here, I don't I don't think there's a team in the NFL that is 
like pumped if their starter goes down. I think you can make an argument, um, and most of you won't agree with this, but with, for Chicago, if you consider Justin Fields to be the starter in Chicago, which I do because I'm not Matt Nagy, but I think I still believe that Andy Dalton is a fine quarterback if you need him to go in for a game or two. Obviously, last year was too tall of an order for him. I think the Chargers are maybe in that camp. Um, I think the Packers, interestingly enough, with Jordan Love, there aren't a lot of teams where you've got, you know, outside of teams that have first round rookie quarterbacks right now that are heir apparent to that particular job. So now you can discount Justin Fields. There isn't really a team that feels super comfortable with their backup quarterback situation. However, that was the case for the Cowboys when last season was falling apart and ended, and yet they did nothing about it. And that is the really frustrating thing ultimately uh tyrone beast by the way says it says if dalton gets cut by the bears i would bring him back there's no way andy dalton's getting cut by the bears but that would be you know obviously awesome i would love to have andy dalton as the backup quarterback for the cowboys i thought that was a really really you know smart move by mike mccarty last year in fact i am personally upset that we have reached the point where cooper rush is the most logical answer for the cowboys because we know that cooper rush is you know a fine vet, you know, reserve quarterback, but think about it. I mean, at one point in time, four years ago, Cooper rush was an undrafted free agent quarterback. And he was the answer. If Dak Prescott went down, that was really silly. If you think about it. And that's why I loved the importance that Mike McCarthy placed on the position last year, but the Cowboys have not done that. Uh, at least this off season into this season, uh, Hunter says, in your opinion, who would you reach out to, to have his QB two right now, in my mind, the best option. Some people say Robert Griffin, the third, Blake Bortles, that's the best option. And that's, again, not saying that that's a great option, but that is the best option right now. To me, it's like, you know, you ever, you ever like, have you ever been like starving and you're you're on a road trip, right? like you're driving, you're driving like six or seven hours and you're in the middle of nowhere, you have nothing, you know, you're starving. You're just, I'll do, I'll take anything right now. And you see this like fast food restaurant that you normally are not about, you want nothing to do with it, but in that moment, you are starving and it seems, it feels, it sounds delicious. And then you eat it and it is delicious. That's it. We are wandering through the desert right now of hunger when it comes to a backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And right now, uh, Blake Bortles is like uh, a piece of prime rib. I mean, that's really what he feels like compared to what the Cowboys have going on outside of them. But uh, by the way, Robert, again, brings up roster cutdowns happen every play on the nfl will cut five players on tuesday so we will see who will be available um in case anybody asks i'm good on josh rosen i don't want to go down that, that you know path but whatever back to this game i had tony pollard as a winner i thought you know we haven't really talked a lot about tony pollard um I thought he had a nice moment. He had the first touchdown of the game. Um, really, you know, hey, Tony Pollard scoring. That's what you like to see. End zone on that. Somersaults. Tony Pollard in space is a problem. I mean, for any defense. I mean, and I would love to see the Cowboys incorporate their running backs in the passing game this season. Uh, so, you know. Seeing Tony Pollard involved there is really nice. We've got Robert says, Ralston, honorable mention. Uh, you know, Nick Ralston's in an interesting spot because with Shaywo being placed on injured reserve, it's, you know, it's now Nick Ralston's job to lose. It's either Nick Ralston or nothing, right? Nick Ralston or bust for the Dallas Cowboys. And so I'm, I'm being, I'm grading on that curve to be clear here. 
I had him as a loser, all right, just because you like this was an opportunity to really kind of like Jeremy Sprinkle, I thought to really take hold of it. I would just like to see more. That's all. And it's it's the most mild loser that I had tonight. So that's that's on me. I thought another loser tonight, Simi Fahoko. We talked about Noah Brown. We talked about Cedric Wilson. Simi Fahoko committed a penalty. I mean, really not helping his chances right now. The best thing that Simi Fahoko has going for him are his physical attributes, his physical assets. And those seemingly make him impossible to cut for the Cowboys because for fear of being poached, for fear of being picked up by somebody else, that's why you really maybe can't put him on your practice squad. That's the best thing he has going for him right now. Now, what you can say for Simi Fajoko is he has predominantly played with Ben DiNucci as his quarterback, so it's difficult uh, to shine in that world. Um, you know, so, I mean, Simi Fajoko, I would love to see – I would love to see more of that. That's really, uh, you know, what, what it comes down to for me. Uh, Jamie Rodriguez, my cousin. What's up, cuz? Says, winner, your shirt. Shout out to the people at Bull Zerk, by the way. Um, sent me this. Uh, they made this when Dak Prescott first got hurt. Obviously, Dak Prescott is very vocal about his faith, uh, about his foundation, etc. So, uh, Bull Zerk, if you like the caps and the t-shirts that Dak Prescott is often seen in, Bull Zerk, that's B-U-L-L-Z-E-R-K. Free ad for Bull Zerk, but they're great people. They deserve it. Um, so, let's see here. Um, let's go to another winner, another loser. Uh, loser, uh, we talked about Garrett Gilbert. We talked about Ben DiNucci. We talked about Samifa Hoko, Nick Ralston. Special teams penalties. All right. This is a rare thing. All right. This is a really, really, really rare thing. All right. Um, fourth and 30. How's, <laughs> how does this happen? I mean, how, how do you hit fourth and 30? Now, to be clear here, if you did not watch the game, um, on third and long, the Cowboys picked up, I think it was about, I think it was third and 19 off the top of my head. Obviously, I haven't rewatched the game at this point, but it's third and really long. And the Cowboys picked up about 13 yards, maybe 16 yards. It was it was going to become fourth and manageable. There was a penalty there. Okay, cool. So all of a sudden now it's fourth down, blink of an eye, bam. Then what happens? You have a legal man downfield. Got to punt again. Then what happens? You have a false start. By the way, on Israel Mukwamu, I think his spot on the roster is safe. But like we talked about with Simi Fahoko, you don't want to have a single penalty against you if you are a later round draft pick, if you're on the bubble in any capacity. But we have seen the Cowboys look a bit sloppy so far this preseason period. That's something, if you watched Hard Knocks, offensively, the Cowboys had to practice the snap count uh, and the cadence together at the very beginning of the episode. Um, this, this is just, this is not encouraging. Like there, I, again, there are things that when you, when you like, I kind of look at the preseason, like a salad, um, that you obviously want to, you know, yeah, like every the salad and you pick things out of it, you know, you're like, Oh, I don't want any of the, you know, I don't know, uh, like walnuts or whatever. I don't want any of the blue cheese and you, you pick it out. That's kind of how the preseason is like to understand exactly what's happening. You have to pick some of the things out. So you have to pick out, well, some of the Ben DiNucci throws, right? Like some of the, you know, they're playing some, some, you know, backups and things like that. So you have to pick a lot of things before you can ultimately see what the true, you know, context uh, is of what you're looking at here. And you don't have to do that with these types of things. These these penalties, these are you're talking about a legal man downfield. You're talking about a false start. Like these are things that should not happen. These are basic, you know, they're not they're not contested penalties like pass interference. These are things that should not be happening in any way. I hope that we see, you know, a lot more discipline from the Cowboys once the regular season gets here because that really has to happen or else 
Um, well, or else it's going to be uh, a rough ride. So uh, that is what it is. So this was kind of a, a team-wide penalty. I didn't want to place it on John Fossil, uh, but, you know, it was what it was. So uh, let's see here. Let's get to some other highlights. What highlight have we not shown here? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, let's go ahead and let's let's take a step away from the game for a moment because if you read the national media, you know, Obviously, there's a lot of great national reporters. Uh, if you read blogontheboys.com like a genius, like I know you to be, um, you know that today was kind of the DAC day, back and forth. Uh, Adam Schefter said last night, ESPN's Adam Schefter, during the game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Kansas City Chiefs, that he did not know if DAC would ever be back this season, back in a full sense. Um, he said, yeah, he's going to play week one, but I don't know if he'll ever be back. Well, NFL Network's Tom Pellicero came in and bam, swatted that down. Uh, later, you know, on this afternoon, said Dak is fine. Dak is great. Dak is making progress. He hasn't had any single setback. Now, here's the thing here. I admire both of these reporters. I think they're both great. love their work. Uh, but if you are going to trust the word of one national reporter when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, it should be Tom Pellicero. I wrote about this today at blogontheboys.com, but in case you forgot, Tom Pellicero was the reporter with Mike McCarthy at McCarthy's Barn in Wisconsin that did the McCarthy project. So seemingly, Mike McCarthy is very close with him. What's more is a few weeks ago, back in Oxnard, Tom Pellicero had a one-on-one, -on -one, uh, well, technically one-on-two interview with McCarthy and Dak. He is as connected as anybody can be to Mike McCarthy specifically. So if you are going to trust the word of one national reporter when it comes to Dallas Cowboys news, and obviously the Dak Prescott situation is the biggest story out there right now, it should be Tom Pellicero. That being said, Dak Prescott did throw during the pregame. Looked great. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News actually charted the throws that Dak Prescott had during the pregame. He uh, attempted 52 passes and only completed 51 of them. So, Dak, dude, what are you doing, man? Get it together. I mean, you can't you can't complete all 52. Uh, but um, I agree with DJ Dog. By the way, why risk a setback in the Dak injury by playing him in a meaningless preseason game? This is why he sits. I also agree with Edge of Greatness. Dak for comeback player of the year. A lock. I totally agree with that. I think you could also throw Dak in contention for MVP. But a lot of that is obviously contingent on what um, the season ultimately has uh, you know, to say. But uh, so Dak news was all over the place. Uh, oh, by the way, Vinny uh, brings this up, says, what do you think or what did you think uh, about the last minute coaching changes? Again, for anybody who did not watch this game, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn and Dallas Cowboys defensive lineman Carlos Watkins tested positive uh, for the game or had a positive test around them uh, before the game. And obviously, with all the COVID protocols in the NFL, out of an abundance of caution, were not part of everything that happened tonight against Houston. So Joe Witt was calling the defensive plays. You know, Joe Witt was part of the, you know, and I thought this was a great point by Kyle Yeomans on the broadcast. If you did watch it, Joe Witt was part of the consideration for a defensive coordinator when the interviews were happening. And obviously has a familiarity with Dan Quinn, a familiarity with Mike McCarthy. I think that that's, you know, obviously, you know, there, there's there's that element to not just football, but our lives right now. And I thought that was really great thinking on their feet by the Cowboys. I think that that's, you know, you don't want to see that happen, but I think that seeing that happen allowed the Cowboys to understand what's our smash glass in case of emergency option. What happens if on the day of the game, Dan Quinn can't be there, right? Like, what do you do? And I thought the Cowboys had a really great plan, a really great level of preparation for it. And so, you know, again, you don't want to have to, you don't want to try to practice those things or practice those things. And it's one thing to say, you know, you know, if this happens, we're going to do this. It's one thing to kind of have your plan written down on paper, but for the Cowboys to have to execute it, I thought was really impressive. Um, you know, all things considered, uh, Alan DeLeon says the defense played well. Yeah, I really thought the team played well defensively and to have it happen again, it's the preseason. So it goes back to the kind of salad picking we talked about, but to, to play well in spite of that particular challenge as the, the night started, I thought was really impressive for the Cowboys. Um, if you care about this information, obviously this is a subject of a lot of debate and discussion in our world and in our country. Uh, but it was reported that the Dallas Cowboys are at 93% vaccination from a player standpoint and a hundred percent vaccination from a football staff standpoint. So um, that is where things stand with the Cowboys. But uh, we talked about the DAC pregame throwing. Let's talk about now another winner um, because we didn't really have an opportunity to say this guy was a winner through the first two preseason games. So I'm going to take the first opportunity that I have. Um, CD Lamb. I thought CD Lamb was a winner tonight. I mean, He's CD Lamb. <laughs> he's he's CD Lamb, and so I'm going to announce CD Lamb as a winner whenever I can. Didn't play a lot, and that's okay. I don't think anybody's worried about him. But he had this. This was. There aren't a lot of people on this earth who can do this. Out there for the first time this preseason. Big fake, looking left, fires left, flag in the secondary. CD Lamb on the receiving end. I, I mean who I agree with Frank Lamb is wide receiver one. I've said this uh, a million times so far this off season and entering the season, I would not take a lot of overs when it comes to the Cowboys. And if you're somebody who, um, you know, who wagers, who gambles, I would not take a lot of overs on the Cowboys. I think a lot of people look um, at the Cowboys offense and think they're going to put up all these numbers. And I think that that's just not going to happen because the Cowboys aren't going to be in situations for that. You know, 
one of my favorite stats. It's a terrible stat, but last season, through the first seven games of last season, the first seven games, shout out to Monica Geller, the Dallas Cowboys began an offensive possession on the positive side there for the opponent's side of the 50-yard line once. All right, one time in the first seven full games of last season, the Dallas Cowboys began a possession on the positive side of the 50-yard line, so less than 50 yards to go one time. All right, now that speaks a lot to the defense's inability uh, to generate turnovers or to generate three and outs. Obviously, you know, over and over again, the other offense is having success moving further, further, further downfield. So if they are punting, you're getting the ball further back. I mean, so every drive for the Cowboys had to go 75 yards, 80 yards, 81 yards, whatever. And that I, I think the Cowboys defense is going to be better this year. So I don't think that that is necessarily going to be um, available for them, if that makes sense. Now, Todd Cook says Lamb won number one over Cooper. Come on, man. Love Amari Cooper. Amari is awesome. I love Amari Cooper. Love CeeDee Lamb. Love Michael Gallup. Love them all. It's, you know, this, they are all our favorite toys, right? Like we love them all. However, CeeDee Lamb is different. I mean, this is the year where CeeDee Lamb becomes, establishes himself as, asserts himself as, however you want to put it, the alpha wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. That's, you know, that was inevitable. The moment the Cowboys drafted him at 17 overall last year, it was inevitable that he was going to become that player. There will be moments where Amari Cooper goes off, and that's kind of Amari Cooper's thing is to have huge games. Amari Cooper is the only wide receiver in Dallas Cowboys franchise history to have multiple 200-yard receiving games, something he did in his first, I think it was like 12 games um, with the team. I mean, he is unreal in a lot of different ways, but CeeDee Lamb is going to outperform him this season. That is something that I, I feel very confident in. Uh, I agree with Frank. Lamb has a higher ceiling. That's really what it's about. I mean, all due respect to Amari Cooper. He's awesome. Amari, um, by the way, finished tonight with negative yards. Uh, he did have the um, – he had the reverse. There was a reverse for Amari Cooper that was weird um, and and glorious and fun, uh, but CeeDee Lamb, uh, a winner. So, our winners, in case you joined us late, we have CeeDee Lamb, Cooper Rush, Tony Pollard, Noah Brown, and Jabril Cox. At loser, or among the losers, Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci, special teams pennies, uh, pennies, uh, penalties, Simi Fajoko, and Nick Ralston. Now, we do have to get to honorable mentions. We mentioned Rico Dowdle. We mentioned Osa Digizua. We mentioned Cedric Wilson, and we mentioned Bradley and I. I have one more honorable mention. I'm so fascinated to hear who you have as winners, losers, honorable mentions, etc. My final honorable mention on the night, and I do write about this again at blogoftheboys.com, Blake Jarwin. We got to see Blake Jarwin tonight. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm really happy that we got to see Blake Jarwin. I think we've forgotten about him a little bit and that's amazing to me but there are a lot of players who are returning there's a lot of you know there are a lot of narratives around the Cowboys to you know it's it's kind of understandable um to forget about Blake Jarwin I thought again the one moment and that's why it was so nice to see Cooper Rush come in because Cooper Rush is somebody who's at least capable uh, of taking advantage of a Blake Jarwin skill set um something that that Garrett Gilbert was not able to do but I thought that I we, it was a small sampling. It was a, it was a tiny little taste, um, and that was nice to see. Again, the context here is that we really hadn't seen much uh, from Blake Jarwin, so it was really nice to see him. Now, we did have a comment here. Let's see here. Let me find it one moment here from Brian. It says, Randy Gregory has to be at least an honorable mention. Totally agree. Randy's awesome. I mean, I'm so excited to see Randy Gregory play a full season. I, I think we're all ridiculously pumped. But we've given Randy a lot of love. It's understood. He, Randy has now reached the level where it is implied that he is a winner or honorable mention. He is, 
he's automatically on the list. So, you know, that's kind of where we are with Randy Gregory. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Bad Monkey. Oh, I don't know where Good Monkey is. Says, uh, yes, Blake Jarwin. I feel like the spotlight has been on Dalton Schultz. Nice to see you mention him. Appreciate it uh, from the Bad Monkey specifically. Uh, DJ Dog 31 says, Jarwin and Schultz showed what kind of routes they're good at. Yes, it was a nice night overall in that sense. Um, let's see here. Uh, we have one highlight that we have not played yet. Um, we have two highlights that we have not played. So a lot, let's, let's go here. Let's mix it up. Mix it up. Uh, lots of, of hype for Rico Dowdle, understandably so. Had this nice run in the second half. Everything. Watch the offensive line from the right side. They just wash everything down. Jeremy's no, it wasn't Jeremy Sprinkle. It was actually Nick Edwards. Nick, Nick yeah. Edwards coming all the way across. Rico had a fumble earlier this preseason, and so, um, you know, at that point, he made the loser list. Just because if you turn the ball over, you're on the loser list, which is why I thought about putting Ben DiNucci on here three times tonight. But, um, you know, in that moment, you know, it, it is what it is. But Rico Dattle is firmly on this roster. I don't think there's any doubt about that anymore. I think he actually really you know, finalized or formalized his spot on the roster back in a week, uh, not one, in the Hall of Fame week uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So really, really happy to see Rico Dowdle played well. But I think there was somebody that everybody was happy to see. When the second half began, the Dallas Cowboys had a certain safety out there where number 28, and he had a nice tackle to get the party started. It's Malik Hooker. Malik Hooker, really nice to see him. Um, I mean, really, really just really nice. I, I don't know a Cowboys fan who wasn't pumped about this. DJ Dogs says Hooker laid the wood clean hit. Um, actually, I want to play this for you one more time because my favorite part about this isn't even the hit. It's it's how Malik Hooker plays this. I believe you can still hear me right now. If you can't, then this is really embarrassing. But, um, you know, obviously the broadcast angle, you see him come in, bam, right there. Okay, great. That's awesome. But my favorite part about this, shout out to um, you know the Houston Texans quarterback situation, clearly in flux. Watch Hooker. You can see him at the top right there underneath the Cowboys star at midfield. Watch how soon he breaks on this. He's watching. He's watching play action. Okay. Boom. There he goes. And that's, that's the instinct that we're looking for at the safety position for the Dallas Cowboys. We haven't seen that in a very, very long time. And I'm not trying to say that all of a sudden the Cowboys have stumbled onto the next great safety or anything like that. But there's no question that Malik Hooker has great instincts. There's no question that Malik Hooker has a lot of talent. He was one of the best college safeties really ever at Ohio State. And obviously he hasn't really found a you know a groove or, or, or taken real hold in the NFL. But there is a reason that he is who he is. And that's a, there's a lot to like about that. As Allen says, he starts moving before the pass. Yes, I mean, he, he understands his play action. He knows where the ball is going. So he's getting there to ultimately get, you know, some sort of disruption. And ultimately, you know, he stops the play. It's not like there's a PBU on this or anything like that. But this is a small, I mean, it's an incredibly small, it's a microscopic sample size uh, looking at the type of impact that he can have on the Dallas Cowboys defense with Dan Quinn, with everybody around him. And if we get that kind of play week in and week out, then, I mean, it's it's fair to think that there is legit promise for this group. And the ceiling is not that high, all right? The, let's be clear here. The ceiling is not that high with the Dallas Cowboys defense. However, the floor has come up substantially. The floor, I mean, we were, 
I don't know. We were down like, you know, middle earth. I mean, you know, floor last year, but the floor has come up substantially for the Dallas Cowboys defense. Max G, I think it's G, it might be G, apologies, uh, says Wilson and Hooker at safety. Totally agreed. Uh, DJ Dog says Hooker has better physical traits and instincts than we have seen in a long time. Yeah. And this this is kind of like, you know, kind of like QB2 for the Cowboys, but it's almost, you know, you almost want to, I feel like we all just want to sit the Cowboys brain trust down and be like, wow, it is so interesting what happens when you bring a talented person in to play the safety position. It's It's almost as if, the talent is on display and can help you, right? <laughs> like it's that's a cool thing. Like maybe you should do that. And so, in that sense, um, you know, I mean, hey, it, it just you know, whatever. Uh, Brian Rail uh, says, um, I like this, and I can't confirm this right now. So, if anybody can, while we are on live, you will automatically be tonight's MVP. But Brian says, RJ, you like weird stats, which is definitely true. As an example, uh, last week, Manchester United's Bruno Fernandes had a hat trick to start the season. Um, the last time that a Manchester United player had a hat trick to start the season, this is a true stat. The Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl. I love things like this. But Brian says, I believe that all three Super Bowl wins in the 90s, uh, the Cowboys lost every preseason game in those seasons. So if anybody wants to be our hero, double check right now. Um, that the 92, 93, and 95 Dallas Cowboys lost uh, their preseason games. Now, we have some people uh, chiming in here with support. Christopher Lopez says, I think it's true. Jason White says, that is true. We lost all preseason games. If you can, if somebody can send me a screenshot of this uh, on Twitter at RJOCHO, you want to DM it, my DMs are open. Um, I would like to see this. So if that is true, block it up. I mean, what are we wasting our time for here? Let Ben DiNucci start a quarterback for what it's worth. I mean, it's it's happening. It's guaranteed. The prophecy has been foretold. I mean, it is absolutely happening. Uh, so uh, in all seriousness, no, uh, seriousness, though, um, I mean, what do we think? This Because now we're at the point we've talked winners. We've talked losers. We've talked honorable mentions. We've gone through highlights. Man, we are really working. We are really burning the midnight oil here. At this point, now it's time to come to a conclusion. All right, we've we've typed the whole paper, and it's time to come to a conclusion. We've seen the last bit of legitimate Dallas Cowboys football until the regular season opener. Again, 19 days from now, Thursday, September 9th. Um, you know, what do we think? Let's let's go with your. Let's let's give us your your takeaway. Let, or actually. Scrap that. That was a terrible idea. I don't know who suggested it. Do you feel better or worse about the Cowboys in 2021 after the preseason? Because all that's left is, is again, the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a throwaway game. It's not going to give us any information that we can discern anything from when it comes to who the Cowboys are going to be primarily this season. So do you feel better or do you feel worse? And why do you feel that way? As I, uh, again, not a free ad or anything, but I love, you know, my wife found this diet root beer and it's incredible. So do we feel better? Do we feel worse? Why? There's a lot of ways we can go here. Magic Garden um, says way worse. Christopher Lopez says better. Glad to see we're all in agreement here. Um, Austin says, even though we've lost the def- even though we've lost, excuse me, the, the defense has stepped up and I feel a little bit better this year. Um, Edge of Greatness says first of the two games or first two games are going to be really tough. I would be really happy if we could steal one of those two games. I agree with this point. This is a really intelligent point from Edge of Greatness. Since nobody has tweeted me the screenshots of the uh, preseason games from the 90s, right now Edge of Greatness is our MVP for the evening. 
if you are a gambler or you want to wager on the Cowboys, whatever, wait till week three because they might lose both of those two games. It's possible. You can make a strong argument that those are two of the team's three hardest games this season because I think you can make an argument that the, the most difficult three games for the Cowboys this season are Tampa Bay, Kansas City, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Cowboys played two of them, obviously, to start their season. Um, so the odds are literally that the Cowboys will be longer odds or have longer odds to win the Super Bowl after week two, or at least after week one, if you think they're going to lose to Tampa. Um, that being said, um, I mean, I also think that, you know, a season comes down to stealing games. There are games that, that teams are supposed to win, right? And you have to win those games, right? Then there are te- there are games that you're supposed to lose. Like, I think right now, if we we're being honest with ourselves, and then there are games that are toss-ups, right? So I think that, for example, if we looked at the NFC East games, most of those are games the Cowboys should win. If we look at the Tampa Bay game, if we look at the Kansas City game, those are games the Cowboys should lose. Then you've got these toss-up games that are kind of like the Chargers game. Those games could go one way or another, just generally speaking, right? Like when you look at it on paper. And so the way to be a playoff team is to win the games that you're supposed to win, to steal a couple of games you're supposed to lose, and to get lucky more often than not when it comes to those toss-up games, right? Like that's the formula. We've, we haven't seen the Cowboys really have that sustainable formula in a long time since 2016, I think most would say. That's that's the positive end of that spectrum. I think in 2018, the Cowboys Cowboys won a lot of games you know, by some close margins in 2018, and they were on the opposite side of that spectrum in 2019. Uh, so, you know, that's an important point here. But uh, Frank, with another great point, says, you know, I don't really feel any different at all because we haven't seen Dak. Uh, Max says worse on offense and better about the defense. See, I don't feel worse about the offense. I just feel indifferent about the offense, but I definitely feel great about the defense, which is definitely an improvement on where things have been over the course of the last, you know, couple of seasons. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Will says better because of potential depth and tough cuts for a change. The depth is here. I mean, oh, by the way, Marlon Mayfield says, tell me more about this diet root beer. Marlon, again, no free ads here, but I believe in helping humanity here. My wife found this. I love my wife. It is diet A&W root beer. It's not a free ad, but it's no uh, calories, no anything, and it tastes the same. It tastes the exact same. Seriously, we get it at Walmart. It's incredible. Diet A&W root beer. Can't recommend it enough. It's a tasty treat. Tastes like a dessert in a bottle. But uh, Christopher Lopez says Tampa is a steel game. Totally agree. Um, now, Marlon also says football is a game of opportunity. Okay, let's see here. Uh, Romeo says definitely better, but we still have a ways to go. And that's really where I ultimately land because – I think we all feel better about this defense. I think we all think this defense is definitely better than it was last year. And some of that's just because it's difficult to be that bad again. But they have depth, all right? I mean, and the thing about this is there were so many people that were not fans of the Micah Parsons pick. Um, And, you know, that's – I get not being a fan of it because of the resource allocation, not being a fan of spending a a top 10 – what was a top 10 became a top 12 pick – on a linebacker, I can totally understand that. There were a lot of people who were disappointed with it. And the disappointment really was just that Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn went the picks before the Cowboys were on the clock. However, Micah has passed every test. If you want to even call them tests, Micah has passed every single checkpoint with flying colors. Micah Parsons, I, I don't, I'm, I'll ask this question. Micah Parsons is the what best player on this defense. If we rank the players on the Dallas Cowboys defense, we rank the starters, right? If we, if we rank them, where is Micah? I think he's second. I really do. I think he's the second best player on this defense already. AR Cowboy 88 says we needed Micah. His attitude for the game, I'm hoping, is infectious. I totally agree. 
I mean, I, I, what, what he has brought is his tenacity is, is kind of the, the same sort of infusion from a disposition standpoint. I want to be clear about this, that we saw from Dak and Zeke along the offense in 2016, kind of just somebody that woke them up. Um, and I mean, I, I, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is the best player on this defense as these comments are starting to come in here. I think Micah Parsons is right after him. I mean, Todd says third. I'd be curious to know, Todd, who you have uh, ahead of Micah. Uh, Steven also says third. Michael Scarn says top three at the top of my head. Odessa says second. Uh, Christopher Lopez says uh, definitely top three. Um, I mean, and Christopher Lopez, Lawrence, Gregory, LVE, full strength. See, I'd take Micah over Leighton Vandrish. And Todd, by the way, adds Randy Gregory. Uh, Trayvon Diggs definitely in the mix here. Um, you know, I mean, but that's the point, like the fact that he's challenging and I think you could, you could definitely throw Randy Gregory operating at full Randy Gregoryness is absolutely in that conversation. Trayvon Diggs, you know, I would love to see it at the next level here. And I mean, I'm not doubting what Trayvon Diggs has done to this point as a Dallas Cowboy, but I would love, I'm, I'm really anxious to see it again, uh, here in 2021. So even if we are you know, pessimistic, not that that's pessimistic, but even if we, we live on that end of the spectrum, we, even if we say Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, you know, Trayvon Dix, fine. He's still in the top half. <laughs> like the, the fact that he's in the top half, borderline top three, borderline top two, whatever for a player that we weren't even really that pumped about is incredible. Um, so, I mean, that alone has really raised my call it hype, call it excitement, call it just general juice for this season. And he, I agree with most of you in the comments, I really believe that he is going to raise the bar, raise the floor of this defense. And that is something that has really, really, really been needed uh, for a very long time. So Micah Parsons is, and, and then when you factor in Randy Gregory, that's an element that wasn't totally there last season. Like we're over here saying that, you know, a lot of us are saying, Two of the top three defensive players for the Cowboys are Randy Gregory and Micah Parsons currently. Well, you didn't really have them last year, right? <laughs> like, you know, in full totality. I mean, and, and Trayvon Diggs obviously is getting better. And so ultimately, all of this leads me to feel better about the team through three preseason games. We saw we didn't need to see the offense. I know that we're all sad and frustrated and upset that we haven't seen Dak Prescott. I know we're upset about the the reports that come out that are whatever, and so we're grateful for the Tom Pilaceros that come out and, and combat them and, and diffuse them. But we didn't need to see this. We did, we did not need to see that this offense we didn't see, we needed any we did not need proof of concept here. We know this offense is going to be very good. Are they going to be the number one offense in the NFL when it comes to yards and touchdowns? Who cares? As long as they're at the top of the NFL when it comes to efficiency, EPA, things like that, that's what really matters. They're an offense that is good enough to win a Super Bowl with. We all believe that. This defense has come along in a way that has you know, been sorely needed and in a way that now can somewhat match what the Cowboys do offensively. We talked about all the drives the Cowboys had that had to go long stretches of the field last year. If this defense can provide shorter fields, even if it's not turnovers, even if it's forcing three and outs or punts or whatever the case may be, that goes a long way. By the way, Danny Phantom uh, notes the Cowboys were two and three in 1992 in the preseason. I believe this is Danny's point here. Um, I don't think there's anything else happening here. One, three, and one in 93. 
Uh, oh, and also two and three ninety five. So the point about the Cowboys losing all three games in the preseason has been disproven. Oh no! Wow. Oh man. Thank you though, Danny, for the research. You're you're the best. Uh, even though you crushed all of our dreams, Danny Phantom. Everybody go read his work. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, Danny is the man uh, in every single capacity. He is on Twitter at Danny Phantom twenty four. Great guy. Great friend of the show. Uh, so I feel better about the Cowboys. I think you feel better about the Cowboys. And now it's just I and I wanted I wanted to kind of end with this because we are 19 days away. That's a long time. All right. Do you know how long 19 days is? All right. There's going to be like nine episodes of Big Brother between now and the Cowboys season starting. And that's a lot of time for idle hands. All right. So we're going to hear reports. We're going to hear stories. We're going to hear all this murmuring. All right. Stay calm. Stay cool. This is a team that we feel very confident in, a team that we're really excited about, a team that definitely has some ways to go in certain areas, but that's that's life. No team is perfect right now. None. Not even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so there was a call. There was a question about record prediction. I'm between 10 and 7 and 11 and 6 right now. That's If you tell me the over-under was 10.5 wins for the Cowboys, I would struggle, but I'd lean over. Um, I think they're – I mean, because – I mean, when you think about their schedule, right? I mean, or, or rather, when you think about the quarterbacks they have to play, that's really what it comes down to for me is the quarterbacks for the Dallas Cowboys because they are not very good, all right, when when you think about it. These are the Cowboys quarterbacks that are the, the, the quarterbacks that they will have to play against, all right, in order. And – you know, you can play you can play this game yourself, win loss. Tom Brady, probably a loss. Justin Herbert, toss up, like we said. Jalen Hurts, probably a win. Sam Darnold, cool. Daniel Jones, awesome. <laughs> Mac Jones, maybe. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Week six, New England. I don't know if you know, I, I don't know if Cam's still starting there or if he's ever starting. I don't know if Mac Jones, but that's that's a toss-up too because of the New England Belichick factor, whatever. The Cowboys then have their bye. Um, I've said for a while now. The Cowboys play the Minnesota Vikings. In fact, they visit the Minnesota Vikings in week eight, um, and that's coming off their bye, just like they did last year when all the watermelon smashing happened. And the Vikings are coming off of their bye that game as well. And so for Minnesota, that's a home game coming off of a bye, and that's on Halloween. That's October 31st. That's generally around the time that teams make a move at quarterback. Obviously, the Vikings drafted Kellen Mond, who went to the greatest school in the world um, in the second round this year. So I could kind of see that being Kellen Mond's debut. You know, he gets the bye week to learn things, whatever, blah, blah. But even if it's Kirk Cousins, you know, with with a, a head, with a coaching staff that doesn't ruin a masterful performance from Dak Prescott like happened in 2019, Cowboys should win that game. Getting back to it, um, week nine, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, that's a win. Week 10, Matt Ryan. I'm curious about Atlanta this year. I would I could be pushed to put them in the coin toss category. Week 11, Patrick Mahomes is probably a loss. And then from Thanksgiving on, this is the part that I, you know, when the schedule first came out, I looked at and really got excited about. From Thanksgiving on, these are the quarterbacks the Cowboys are going to play. Derek Carr on Thanksgiving, Jameis Winston, or Taysom Hill, I suppose, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick in December. Now, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be fun. He's going to give us a, a couple of memes you know, in September. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is not exactly known for dominating the month of December. So you've got Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Daniel Jones again, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick again. Kyler Murray, who uh, had a very not kind comment about the Cowboys this offseason. I won't say it uh, here because we're a family show. Uh, and finally, week 18, Jalen Hurts. I think it's very possible the Cowboys don't lose from Thanksgiving on. Um, I mean, they might, you know, 
they might lose one. I mean, from Thanksgiving on is is really nice for the Cowboys. And that's why, you know, the fact that their first two games are so hard sucks, but it also is really nice because after week two, it's it's not, you know, easy street for the Cowboys, but it is definitely not terrible. And that's, you know, that's something to look forward to. So I think 10 and, 10 and 6, 11 and, or 10 and 7, 11, 6, still getting used to all this. Um, maybe 12 and 5 if things break right. Like I think they're in that, between 10 and 13 wins, you know, 13 is obviously a lot of things go their way. You know, they're really fortunate from an injury standpoint, et cetera. 10 wins is they had to battle some adversity, whatever. Uh, but they're in that range, I think. I don't think they're capable of being the one seed this year. I, I can't see that personally. Um, and obviously there's no buy for the two seed. But I think the Cowboys are – they're, they're going to win the division. They're going to be a three or four seed. Um, and I think that, you know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again one time, one last time here. It would be sweet poetry. I mean, absolute sweet poetry. If Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Green Bay Packer was a playoff loss at home at Lambeau Field against the Dallas Cowboys, the team he's tormented for a long time, much to our own internal frustration, led by the head coach who he ran out of town, that would be poetry. And I'm really kind of rooting for that to happen in, in a lot of senses. But uh, so this was a really fun postgame show. Uh, thank you to everybody who joined us. Uh, if you did watch us live, uh, my name's RJ Ochoa. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at RJ Ochoa. We do these after every single Dallas Cowboys game. We also do these after every Hard Knocks episode on Tuesday. We will have a video up on our channel tomorrow, the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel on Sunday, uh, with highlights from tonight's game, so you can look forward to that. We will obviously have a ton of content available for you at blogontheboys.com. We'll have the live stream on Tuesday night after Hard Knocks, and we'll be back here next week uh, you know, for another post-game discussion. We'll be doing these all season long. It's a lot of fun to participate. We are one big, happy Dallas Cowboys family, and that is cool. The fact that we're all going to experience the season together, the highs, the lows, the like two lows that are going to come um, is really, really, really cool. So thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us tonight. Hope you have a great weekend, uh, whatever's left of it. I uh, can't wait to see you soon, and uh, have the best day ever. You know why? Because you deserve it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time.